0: Hello, this is Dr. Gary Miller, President of the University of Akron. We are honored to have you listen to our podcast series, Diverse Engineering, which would not be possible without the generous support of our gold sponsor, GPD Group and Continental. The University of Akron and our community partners are committed to the success of students from around the world and in our own backyard. We're especially proud of the contributions and successes that have resulted from the hard work, determination, and dedication of our students of color. Please enjoy our podcast.
1: Welcome to Diverse Engineering, a podcast series celebrating the contributions of minority engineers to their fields in engineering. My name is Ebony Bond, and I will be your host for this podcast episode, Look Through the Windshield, Not the Rearview Mirror, Why Minorities Make a Difference in Engineering which is being delivered to you in honor of the 30th anniversary of the IDEAS program, a program that supports the success of students of color in all fields of engineering at the University of Akron. Our podcasts are dedicated to Dr. Paul Lamb, a professor of engineering at the University of Akron, who dedicated his life to helping all students succeed, but had a special mission to increase diversity in engineering by cultivating the potential in minority students. Dr. Lam founded the Minority Retention Program in 1990, which he later changed to the IDEAS Program. The IDEAS Program was further strengthened through the leadership of Dr. Ruby Mawasha, then leadership transferred to the current Assistant Dean of the College of Engineering and Polymer Science, Dr. Julie Jow, who has the distinction of being the longest director in the history of the program and is now being led by the Director of Diversity and Inclusion of the College of Engineering and Polymer Science, Heidi Cressman. With Dr. Lamb's strong foundational organization, the Ideas Program has thrived for 30 years. In today's podcast episode, Look Through the Windshield, Not the Rearview Mirror Why Minorities Make a Difference in Engineering, we are speaking with Philip Steele, a senior systems engineer at General Motors and a proud alum from the University of Akron. Philip completed his bachelor's degree in electrical engineering in 2013 as a member of the Ideas Program at the University of Akron. He is currently pursuing a master's degree in systems engineering from Purdue. During his seven-year career with General Motors, he has held multiple positions of increasing responsibility across various job functions, including powertrain durability, gas engine control systems, calibration verification, and active safety. Philip is currently developing the next generation of semi-autonomous and autonomous systems. When he is not busy designing the stuff that may one day occupy driverless cars, he enjoys spending time with his one-year-old son, playing basketball, volunteering, and making upgrades to his home theater. Phil, your engineering journey sounds so cool. I've got to witness it, um, but I'm so interested in talking to you today and learning more. Um, so you mentioned you know, that you were an engineer with GM. Were there any signs in your childhood or any evidence that you might one day become an engineer? Uh, there were a lot of signs.
2: I was always interested in how things work, taking things apart, messing with things I shouldn't mess with. So it kind of was a natural evolution for me to to enter into engineering. And then when I was in K through 12, I really had a strong fundamental interest in math and science. So it there were no surprises. Mm-hmm. When I went to college, I was already looking to pursue um, an engineering degree. Mm-hmm.
1: Where you said that you were getting to things that you shouldn't have. Is there anything exciting that you could tell a story about that you got into that you shouldn't have?
2: Uh, childhood stories. Let's see. Um I nearly electrocuted myself. Oh. Um, okay. So I was playing with um like a motor from a record set. I don't know if anyone remembers that. Um, yeah. I think they still sell them today, but I'm not not one hundred percent sure. And I I just out of curiosity wanted to plug it into a wall outlet. Of course I was wasn't being watched very, very closely at the time, <laughs> but um nothing happened, just blew a circuit breaker, but you know, just I just got into all kinds of stuff like that. Interesting. I you know, tried to sneak away when my parents weren't really looking and, and just experiment with things.
1: Interesting. So experimenting was a part of your childhood. <laughs>
2: yes. Absolutely.
1: All right. So can you describe a little bit about your journey to get where you are now? And at what point did you believe that you could actually build a career in engineering?
2: Sure. Because um, my, my path was nontraditional. I graduated high school in 2005 uh, from Akron Public Schools, Garfield High School. Initially, I had a partial scholarship to Ohio State. And at the time, um, I was pursuing a computer science major. And my first year was... Um, It was a bit unfocused. I went down there and kind of became a social butterfly. Somehow I was in housing with the humanities folks, so they weren't engineers. They were just very social. I had my fun, don't get me wrong, but academically, I did okay. My GPA was like around 3.0, which really isn't bad, Mm -hmm. but this scholarship that I had required a 3.2. So after a year and a quarter, I ended up losing the scholarship. So I went back home. Just kind of, I don't want to say aimless, but I picked up a job at a factory building tires for Michelin. Um, at the time, Michelin had a, a facility in Magador. So uh, as we all know, Akron's the rubber capital of the world. So it was just something I could do in the summers to occupy myself. Um, I did that for two years and then I kind of thought to myself, like, well, there's really no end to this. Right. There's no particular way to, you know, elevate myself. I was like, I need to go back to school. Mm -hmm. So not having the financial burden of, you know, paying for room and board, I decided to go back to Akron for multiple reasons. Number one, it was at home. Mm -hmm. So it it made sense financially. And number two, it was known for engineering. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: So I come back to Akron. I kind of switched over to computer engineering. So I took overall, I I made three major changes um, from computer science to computer engineering then finally to electrical. When I first came back to Akron, it was 2008. I was kind of want to say aimless, but you know, I, I came in, I made up my schedule, took a couple classes. <laughs> one thing I remember uh, vividly is I took chemistry. Um, I think that was one of the first classes I took when I got back, and mm-hmm. I just kind of went through the class. I didn't have a bunch of guidance. I really didn't communicate with anyone because mm-hmm. I felt like, you know, I'm a little bit older than everyone that's coming in who's taking, you know, freshman mm-hmm. level classes had a couple of credits that transferred from like calc one and calc two but i uh i got an exam back i think i got a 68 on it and i'm thinking to myself man i am like i'm rusty like i need i need to get myself together like is this this is bad like i'm starting off on a bad note but the the class is curved so i didn't do as bad as i thought i did mm-hmm. um fairly good and then uh one day this lady just kind of pulled me into her office. Her name was Julie Zhao, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I just kind of got you know. She just pulls you in. It's all, I don't I don't want to say it's by force, but Julie has a way of making sure that you're aware that ideas exist. And mm-hmm. she was like, "Oh, you came from Ohio State," and she she asked me my background story. I'm just telling her things, and um, she puts this contract you know, in front of my face and says, Hey, you know, you should join this program, you know, sign up. And at the time I'm thinking to myself, well, okay. You know, I don't have anything to lose, but I mean, I don't really, I didn't really think it was going to have nearly the impact that it did. So that's when I first joined ideas. And to be honest, it fundamentally changed um, my academic career. And Mm -hmm. I don't think I would be where I am right now. And I can explain that a little bit later, but, um, all of the really, really good relationships that I forged were from ideas. Um, some of my best friends today, they like, came from ideas. So having that group that gets together, we go through the same things—the um, gauntlet that's engineering—and mm-hmm. we also, you know, we develop relationships through it. So mm-hmm. it's very important to to have that and have that support system throughout your academic career.
1: Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree. Um, and we have kind of similar paths. So I was non-traditional. Um, I dropped out for a while, discovered poverty wasn't for me, too much month at the end of the check, came back and struggled um, and did that comparison thing. And then, you know, with, then became dedicated to ideas. I don't remember how I got into it or how I came back, but those relationships, I couldn't have done it. I know for sure I couldn't have done it without those relationships. So thank you for sharing Um some of the, the difficult parts of the story as well. Um, so the title of this podcast episode is Look Through the Windshield, Not the Rearview Mirror, Why Minorities Make a Difference in Engineering. Can you talk about how you came to realize the importance of looking forward instead of getting bogged down in the past and that what effect of this realization had on your engineering career?
3: Absolutely.
2: Um, to this day, I don't think dwelling on the past does anything productive. Mm-hmm. You just have to take the lessons from the past and learn from them. So with me specifically, coming from, I don't want to say the failure I had, but it was a, mm-hmm. basically an, a realization that in order to get through this, I really need to focus. Throughout high school, I was a pretty good student. You know, I always got good grades, things like that. But mm-hmm. college and engineering specifically is a completely different ballgame. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I was prepared for the amount of dedication and focus I needed to really succeed. So when I came to Akron, you know, got into ideas, there were other people that were like me, right? Um, Folks from inner city schools, similar backgrounds from a family and financial perspective. And it just really helped that we could basically keep each other, hold each other accountable, right? Mm -hmm. There's no way I would have been as motivated or focused without having a group around me that was doing the same things. So we, we related to each other very well. You know, it's, it's just, there are certain years where it's, it's just very tough for anyone, no matter your situation to, uh, to get through and succeed. So, you know, the first year, it's like we're developing those relationships. We're taking our electives, you know, and then we, we start focusing. Then we tasted that first year of co-op and that's when things really kicked off because, It's another beautiful thing about Akron. The co-op program gives you a sample of how the industry is and how it differs from just pure schoolwork. Mm -hmm. And after that first co-op, I think a lot of us became very motivated because our success in industry kind of, you know, really cultivated um, basically a a real desire Mm -hmm. to be an engineer. It's like, you know, this is what we want to do. I can see myself doing this. I can be financially stable and lead a good life. So after that, then we're all like, you know, let's get back to class. Let's focus. Let's finish this thing. Collectively, it just it, it, it turned out to be a great experience. But from to answer your original question. The best thing to do about the past is to learn from it, but never dwell on it. You can't change it. You just the only thing productive you can do is take the past, analyze what you did wrong. Make sure you don't repeat it and use it to make your future better.
1: Thank you. Um, so looking back in the past, though, now, <laughs> how do you think that the ideas program at the University of Akron contributed to your success?
2: To be honest, it was everything. I, I won't say that I, I'll, I would be a complete failure, mm-hmm. but I, I know for sure that I wouldn't have the relations I have. I wouldn't have had um, some of the opportunities for co-op that I had. I honestly wouldn't even be a GM right now. What happened was back in 2012, General Motors had come out of the bailout in 2008. And they really didn't recruit from Akron until that year again. So they sent a couple, I didn't know who they were at the time, but they were engineering managers. They came to Akron and recruited. And I remember um, the co-op office, Deanna Dunn, kind of sending a message out saying, hey, you know, GM's here. If you're interested, send me your resume you know, she'll, she'll start getting things going. And they, you know, talked to a bunch of people. They ended up taking two UA grads. Mm-hmm. One was our valedictorian. The other was one of my best friends and ideas. You know, he, he, was, he was all for it. He wanted to work on electric vehicles. I didn't think that I was, I don't think I, I didn't think I had the resume at the time mm-hmm. to actually, you know, basically be picked up by GM because Mm -hmm. my friend Pierre, he had all of the EV background. He worked at an EV startup. So everything just lined up. Um, How I ended up getting to GM, it was at a career fair, um, the Nesby career fair. In the last five minutes of the career fair, I kind of was just looking over at the GM booth they had a Cadillac ATS there, which was new at the time. And I was like, man, that looks nice. I'm like, ah, maybe I'll just slide to my resume. And so I ended up talking to um, a lady who's now friends with me. And she took my resume, and she was really upset that I came to them so late. And I didn't really expect anything out of it. And then a couple months later, I was right after I took one of my finals, I got a call from GM. So it just, it's just kind of weird how things work out. But the thing that I took from that is, if you have an opportunity, always take it. Mm. you can always say no, but ne- always give yourself a chance
1: mm-hmm.
2: that that has produced a lot of results later on
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> in my story, mm-hmm.
2: um, that I can touch on as well. Thank
1: you. Um, so you said, you know, you went to the Nesby uh, convention and that's how you got, um, the, the role at GM. Can you talk a little bit about your Nesby experience while you were here at school or even if it was the conventions or what was that like?
2: Absolutely. Um, so when I first came here, um, you know, Nesby and ideas were, you know, fairly well tied together. There was always a member or, you know, the staff of Nesby, the president, treasurer, et cetera, they were always usually in ideas as well. So it was kind of natural to, you know, meet the Nesby team from being in ideas. Mm-hmm. So when I was um at UA, I really didn't actually go to conference until it became time for me to look at jobs. So junior mm-hmm. year and senior years I went to conference. Um, I also was treasurer back in 2011.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So N- Nesby was great. I mean, conference is a difference maker. I, I try to tell everyone that I encounter now, just go to conference, right? Mm-hmm. You'll get opportunities that you don't think you can get. Um, you'll be exposed to companies that otherwise would not normally recruit in our area so mm-hmm. it's it's an excellent idea there's you have nothing to lose mm-hmm. um so yeah N- Nesby was great i still have a ton of connections from Nesby now
1: yeah Nesby is so beautiful i remember going to my first convention and just being like wow um, yeah it was it's it's eye opening right yes um i was saying yesterday how the last one i went to when i was in school there were 13,000 black engineers at the convention so it was just wow. like I don't know. It's just so exciting. Um, and also to the the opportunities that you get afforded with NSBE. Um, I think the career fairs are like the size of two football fields, just full of companies that are, you know, trying to be intentional about hiring. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. So definitely recommend the Nesby conventions. <laughs> um, so what are you most proud of in your career and in your personal life? Oh, that's, that's a
2: tough one. Let's see. Okay. So I'm most proud of, there was a point in time, um, I was about three years in at GM and we had a new vehicle, a new platform, just completely new from the ground up. And I was working on that from a power training perspective. So I was working on engine controls at the time and what that means to the customers, it's how the car drives, how it feels. Oh, I can talk about this now. Um, I always had this. Uh, I always think like, you know, wait, this is program released yet? But this is a long time ago. So it's the GMC Acadia that was my first vehicle that my I started the calibration on it from beginning to end. So end to end, and it's really high volume. So every time I see one driving around, I'm like, that's my baby. You know, I, I did that. And so <laughs> if people like how it drives, then. You know, I would, I, I would, I was kind of insane. Like, I would be at the grocery store and see somebody with one. I'm like, oh, you know, how do you like it? Does it drive well? And you know, just, <laughs> just kind of um, that
1: customer feedback.
2: <laughs> yeah, just probing to see how. You know, I know that the details that I care about, most customers have no idea about. But yeah. ultimately, vehicles are really, really, really complex. There's some of the most complex control systems out there, and I don't think that's common knowledge. Most people just get in a car, drive. They don't understand everything that's going on behind the scenes Mm -hmm. so um i don't know that that was (laughs) that was a high point in my career um in my personal life uh, i'm just happy to have balance and stability and i really enjoy having a son his name is maverick he's 14 months now and it's just very fun i I thought i was really worried like when we were expecting i'm like man am i ready for this like Mm do I have everything lined up but it's an extremely fun process to to analyze and watch them grow.
1: That's really cool. I like the name Maverick too. That's really cool. Oh, thank you. Very welcome. Um, so if you could share why you think minorities are important to engineering, innovation, and in the generation of ideas.
2: Oh, I well, first off, I would say diversity is important. If anyone doesn't understand why, the easiest way is to get in a room with a bunch of like-minded people and see where where the thoughts go. Right? Everything narrows. So when you have diversity, all the perspectives change. Mm-hmm. And so you get more diversified solutions to problems as well. And the reason it's important is because the entire country is diverse. So mm-hmm. by not having all of those perspectives and opinions and solutions, you are kind of alienating large portions of the population, potentially. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I can't count the number of times where, you know, I had a perspective that just I I didn't think was, you know, duplicated in the room. Mm -hmm. And it really helps to basically enrich the the overall experience when you are employed and also it can better products. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just it's very important. Mm -hmm.
1: So I have a question. What do you think is the typical depiction of an engineer?
2: Typical depiction of an engineer is, I would say, kind of nerdy, probably male, probably Caucasian. I think that's fairly. I think that would be a fairly standard assumption. Mm-hmm.
1: So what about you doesn't fit that, you know, assumption? I mean, I can say already the white male part. <laughs> <But> <laughs> well, yeah, of Like course. any other, um, you know, parts of your personality or life that don't fit the mold?
2: I would say almost everything. Um, if you look at me on a casual day, I don't, I don't think if you took... 100 people and ask them like what do you think this guy does i don't think i'd say maybe five percent would guess engineer and you would have to look at weird context clues like if you saw me in a room in my house you may see something where it's like okay this guy you know does something but i mean i came from inner city like i said um you know i wear earrings i try to dress like fairly nice but like i i don't i just don't look like what i would say is the prototypical engineer
3: uh-huh.
1: Do you get that often when you meet people and you're like, I'm an engineer? And they're like, what? You're an engineer? Um, I don't really get the surprise, but
2: people mm. always ask. Um, mm. I've had encounters at work where I don't want to say that people judge me immediately, but it's almost like I had to prove my intellectual worth.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: and It's not direct. It's always subtle.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But I, I never really... Had a problem with it. I took it as okay. Let me show you what I can do. Mm -hmm. So I was always confident in that regard. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: When I first came to GM, however, um, you know, Akron's not a huge name, Mm -hmm. right? It's not MIT. It's not Caltech. It's not you know Stanford. It's not the Ivy League. Mm -hmm. So we usually come in humble. But what I've learned very quickly is that Akron prepares you for the real world. Probably, I think from our perspective. You know, if you've never been to another university, if you've never encountered a lot of people from these big name schools. know. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an expectation that they are smarter, that they perform better, and that's just not the case. Mm-hmm. Every UA grad at GM is doing something big. Mm-hmm. Um, we have people that have moved up into management; they're in leadership positions. I don't know one person that's not successful.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So, it's nice to have that humility. But we we are we are good engineers. We're some of the best.
1: So can you talk a little bit about, you know, was there any process to kind of ingrain that in your identity? If you say you came in and you even had the expectation that they may you know, perform better or be smarter, was there any pivotal moment that you were like, I'm going to you know, change the way that I think about it or even about my own abilities or did that just come a part of, become a part of the process?
2: Uh, it was just analyzing people. I think step one was coming in and being very humble. So when you're humble, you know, you you really try to prove yourself. You try to make sure that you don't fail. You know, when I first became, my first position was as a calibrator. And when I came in, I didn't want to be in the bottom half of calibrators or, you know, I wanted to be above average. And so I was just really focused on not failing. Mm-hmm. Over time, I realized, you know, like, I can do this just as good as this person or, you know, I can exceed here. I can fill this role and and do well. Mm -hmm. And after that and, you know, forging a bunch of relationships with people from, you know, University of Michigan and, you know, I've I've developed relations with folks from everywhere because GM is huge. They're multinational and they recruit everywhere. Mm -hmm. And that's when I kind of realized, like, you know what, I was very well prepared for this.
1: Mm -hmm. So you talked about like making sure, you know, that you didn't feel like putting in that extra work. But were there any times that you've had failures and, you know, how did you overcome them?
2: So in industry, there actually, I actually haven't had that happen. Um, mm. So I've been very fortunate, but I also think it's just the dynamic between school and industry. I mean, because I can tell you about times where I've almost failed in, in undergrad in school. Mm-hmm. But in terms of actual work, you're on a team, deadlines are different, projects are different. The pressure is different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we work on some cutting edge stuff, but the way things are developed, yes, you can do bad. Yes, you can fail. Yes, things can happen. But I, I just never experienced that. I'm going to say definitely part of it was luck, but part of it was just preparation. And all of that was from the University of Akron. Cool. cool. So, you know,
1: I think that we're all entitled to our you know, own perspectives, and you kind of alluded to that. But at some point, we're kind of taught that, you know, we should fit in. Have you ever had a moment where you did not go along to get along? And what happened? Yes.
2: So corporate politics is an interesting phenomenon. You have to learn and navigate it carefully. At GM, I've had, I've, there have been times where I've seen something that it, is an issue right mm-hmm. um the key is to express and communicate what the issue is to the appropriate people at the appropriate time and you just have to be honest about it
3: mm-hmm.
2: we're working on four thousand pound pieces of machinery and they can be deadly mm-hmm. so you, you know you have to be very very careful when there's a problem and there's a potential that this could you know change someone's life or you know, someone could die. You you have to express those issues. So, for me personally, I discovered an issue that it, a uh, very obscure cases it could cause um, you know, the vehicle to stall, mm-hmm. and if that's in the wrong place at the wrong time, bad things can happen.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So, because of the the type of problem, it was really an edge case. So it's not something that would happen consistently. It's just that like one percent of cases where this could be a problem. So direct, my direct leadership didn't think it was that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. So I just had to communicate to the appropriate party so that we could execute a solution.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But that's something that you kind of just learn when you're in industry for a while, who to talk to, when to talk to them, not to step on anyone's toes. There's like a, a an entirely parallel path of, you know, I have to learn technical knowledge, but I also have to learn how to communicate as well.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. So um, are there is there any advice that you would give to an aspiring engineer or um, a current engineering student um, as any any parting words?
2: Yes, there are multiple things I would say. Number one, any opportunity you have, take it. I'm not saying that you have mm-hmm. to say yes, but like I said, give yourself a chance. Engineering is tough and don't feel discouraged. Right. There there will be classes that you may Not everyone's going to have a very easy time and float Mm -hmm. by and get straight A's. Mm -hmm. It's just a tough, it's a tough major. Um, And I would also say if you get the chance to co-op, definitely do it. Mm -hmm. Industry is a lot different than school. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was, I remember my very last, like senior design, the last couple of classes I took, I was burned out.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. I was so happy to start work. And I, you know, we have a program at GM where they'll pay for a degree up front. You have to do nothing, no money down. They they take care of everything. It's designed around people that work. And I waited and waited and waited because I was just – I did not want to do any more school. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I noticed that the, they started getting a little bit more selective with how they chose mm-hmm. people first. Like when I first came, they would give anybody – um who wanted to pursue a degree that would they would let you do it and they started becoming a little bit more selective and i was like you know what i should probably just try this Mm -hmm. so i applied i didn't think i was going to get in i didn't think i was going to get accepted to purdue but i told myself if i get in while i'm doing it right Mm -hmm. um how can you say no so my only regret is not starting earlier Mm -hmm. um but ultimately opportunities don't come all the time they're a little bit of luck being in the right place at the right time. So when you have them, just take them. You can always, you know, put yourself in the position to decline, but you can't always have that opportunity again. Mm
1: -hmm. Cool. Any, any last words?
2: Actually, as of yesterday, I have another opportunity to, um, Basically, move into a different industry. So oh, wow. it isn't one hundred percent set in stone, but I interviewed. It's been a very long process, and mm-hmm. I will start negotiating oh, wow. with Apple. Oh wow! So
1: that's oh, congratulations, wow. <laughs> congratulations.
2: Thank you, thank you. Um, but uh, all I can say is that that also came from an opportunity that was presented to me. So I'm, I'm, I'm just so my my mindset is different now than even like three years ago. Mm -hmm. If I have an opportunity, I will at least pursue it and see where it goes. Basically, don't stop yourself, Mm -hmm. right? Some people can get in their heads and say, you know, I can't do this. You can do it. All you have to do is is at least give yourself the chance and put in the work.
1: Well, on that, I definitely want to thank you for your time today. Um, Also, congratulations on this new opportunity that's in front of you. And we look forward to seeing where your path goes, Phil.
2: Thank you. It was great talking
1: to you, Ebony. All right. Easy. On a final note, we're happy to report that Philip did indeed get that job at Apple. Many congratulations from the Ideas program.
3: My name is Dennis Williams, and I want to thank you for listening to Diverse Engineering. Because of the Ideas program, I received the Author F and Carol M Anton scholarship. It made a huge impact in my academic success by reducing my financial need. If you would like to make a difference in another IDEA student academic career, please text IDEAS three zero, that is IDEAS thirty to four one four four four, or give online at www.uacron.edu forward slash giving forward slash IDEAS thirty.
0: We hope that you've enjoyed listening to this episode of Diverse Engineering. I want to thank GPD Group and Continental for their generous support of this podcast series. Lastly, thank you to podcast host Ebony Bond, podcast editor David Campbell, manager at WZIP Chris Kepler, and the College of Engineering and Polymer Science for making this podcast a reality. I'm Dr. Gary Meller, president of the University of Akron. Remember to aim high and rise higher. Go Zips!